Good morning and welcome to Kirkpatrick's 25th online Sunday service. Did you ever imagine that we'd still be meeting in this way after five months of COVID restrictions? The global reach of this nasty virus is mind-boggling, but I reckon it's the practical day-to-day impact on our way of life and frankly our spirits that affects us most. I don't know how you're approaching reading the Bible at this time. I'm following a plan that takes you through the Bible in a year. You read four chapters a day, one from each of four separate books. And at the moment, I'm reading in 1 Samuel, which is very exciting, and Psalms, which are thought-provoking, 1 Corinthians, which proves instructive, and Well, please don't take this the wrong way, but it's a book I wouldn't exactly recommend for study during the pandemic. It's Lamentations. It's pretty bleak. But just in the middle of Wednesday's reading in chapter 3, I was reading these words. I remember my afflictions and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. See what I mean? And then these words. Yet this I will call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. It's our privilege to come together this morning to Worship that loving, compassionate, faithful God. Let's pray to him now. Heavenly Father, it is a a tonic for our souls to step out of the gloom and uncertainty that clouds our days into the light and security of your presence. We're so grateful that you've made us welcome. More than that, you've adopted us into your family all because your son Jesus died in our place and paid the price to forgive us and free us from our sins. We can only bow in wonder and adoration before such immense love and limitless mercy. Your compassion and grace are simply without equal. No one can match your constancy. You are indeed our faithful God. We confess We're not like you, far from it. In fact, this very week we have failed to be kind. We didn't forgive easily. We were not always truthful. We could go on, Father, but you know all our failings. We are sorry for our weak sinfulness. Please forgive us for Jesus' sake and renew that right spirit in us, we pray. May your ever-present Holy Spirit Help us to worship you now and may he increase our understanding and appreciation of your word as David speaks to us. These things we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. We're now going to join our hearts and voices together in praising God as we sing. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Okay. And action. Welcome back, Sunday Clubbers. 
I'm Gloria Good News and I've got some really good news about our exciting new TV show, KMPC SCTV. Every week we're going to have an action-packed programme full of Bible stories, verses, craft and other fun activities. We'll be seeing what our new friends Sam and Beth have been getting up to. We'll also have some special guests dropping in now and again. We'll have lots of songs to get us praising God and up and bopping around. So tune in every week. It's going to be such fun. I'm Gloria Good News and that's all from me. Psalm 129, Protection of the Oppressed. Since my youth, they have often attacked me. Let Israel say, since my youth, they have often attacked me. But they have not prevailed against me. Plowmen plowed over my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the ropes of the wicked. Let all who hate Zion be driven back in disgrace. Let them be like grass on the rooftops, which withers before it grows up and can't even fill the hands of the reaper or the arms of the one who binds sheaves. Then none who pass by will say, may the Lord's blessing be on you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Psalm 129 is probably not one of those Psalms of Ascent that is familiar to us. So it might help if you have it open before you as we look at it together. It's not an upbeat psalm, it's not easy to understand, it's a little odd. It's almost got an element of self-pity about it. It's a complaint followed by what to our ears might even be considered a quite nasty prayer. And although it's very personal, recounting personal injuries and hurts, like all of these psalms it was written for the community to sing, to sing as they journeyed, to own it together. And so it begins exactly the same way as Psalm 124, with the cheerleader shouting out the first line, let Israel say, it's like the all together now and everyone knows the rest of the lyrics and they all join in. A little bit like the fan at the sports match who shouts, give me an A. I went to Belfast Royal Academy and I remember one rugby match where the guy beside me shouted, give me an A, give me a C, give me an A, give me a D. And then he stops and he turns to me and he says, uh, what comes after D? So first rule is if you're doing that chant, make sure you know how to spell the name of your team. And by the way, if Kirkpatrick Memorial Presbyterian Church ever gets a football team and we're supporting them and you shout, give me a K, you're on your own. So Psalm 129 is a well-known psalm to the pilgrims. They know the lyrics. They own this one as their personal story, as their complaint. And that's what it is. It's a complaint about oppression. It's a complaint of a shared struggle. In an era of 24-hour digital news, you don't have to go further than one click on your computer to see evidence of evil and oppression. How do we respond appropriately to yet another story of injustice, of human trafficking, of racial violence, of sexual violence, of the rich and powerful getting away with murder, of regimes locking up and beating up their citizens? How do we respond? Well, the first step might be to recognise that we're not the only one with these questions. We're in this together. Uh, and a second step might be to do what these pilgrims did and to let it all out in prayer. 
Psalm 123 reminded us that the pilgrim path can be one of ridicule and mockery. And this time it's violent. Psalm 129 takes the oppression of God's people to a new level. It's more extreme in terms of time. This has happened from my youth. It's more extreme in terms of intensity. They have ploughed my back. The pilgrims would have seen themselves as the latest in a long line of victims. Youth could refer not only to their own personal history, but also the history of their people. There's something similar in the imagery in the psalm to the cry of the slaves in Egypt right back at the youth of the nation when they were forced into hard labour. Their backs were whipped by the Egyptians. The image of slavery is there in verse 4. The word cords could really be translated yoke. Uh, they've been chained together like slaves. They have suffered under various empires, Egyptian, Babylonian. But their righteous God has freed them. Their God is one who intervenes and saves. And so in the second half of the psalm, there is a prayer, which is essentially a waiting, a waiting for judgment, waiting for the oppression to be over forever, waiting for the day when they can be sure that there will be no more chains, no more slavery. What's going on here? It appears a little vindictive, doesn't it? Wanting to get one over on your enemies. It's not very Sermon on the Mount, is it? Well, before we answer that, let's look at what exactly is being envisaged here. For those oppressing and enslaving Israel as a conquering army, their expectation would be to enjoy victory, to leave a legacy, and to enjoy the blessing and homage of their people. And this prayer asks that they get none of that. Instead, that they suffer shame, that they don't flourish but are left with an economic famine with no grain and a social wasteland devoid of blessing and community. The last couple of lines might seem very strange to us, but there is a fascinating verse from another part of the Bible that might help to shed some light on it. Bear in mind that Psalm 129 is picturing here a poor harvest where the harvesters encounter not even so much as a friendly greeting from passers-by. Now, turn to the little book of Ruth earlier in the Old Testament. The book of Ruth is a wonderful story about ordinary village life during one of the darkest periods in Israel's history, the time of the Judges. If you read the book of Judges, you will see it as characterised by extreme violence, treachery, rape, anarchy. And yet in those days, in the village of Bethlehem, people are getting on with their normal lives. And when the narrator tells us about how Ruth and Boaz met, he writes this in Ruth chapter 2 verses 4 to 5. Ruth is gleaning in the fields and just then Boaz arrived and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. And Boaz asks, who is that young woman? It's a sort of incident you would skip over if you were reading or even if you were preaching on the book of Ruth. But in a book as short as Ruth, the writer doesn't waste words. He's letting us know that even in the midst of chaos and anarchy, when invaders from outside were oppressing and when apostasy was rife inside Israel, when the culture had basically gone to hell in a handbasket, there were those who still acknowledged the Lord and kept his name alive in normal life. There were still those who blessed each other in his name. I've heard a number of folks say that amid the uncertainty of these past few months, they are learning again to acknowledge God in the simple things. To say again, if God wills, when they're planning an event. To thank him at the end of each day. 
to greet and bless their neighbours, to keep God's name alive in their family, in their workplace and in their street. Psalm 129. Prayers for a time when those who have turned their back on God would not even have the comfort of that little blessing. No glory or victory, only shame. No flourishing, only a famine. No blessing, but a total absence of God. It's essentially envisaging a type of hell. So what do we make of that prayer? It's not the only psalm where we get this. In fact, these curses or imprecations, as the theologians call them, are quite common throughout the Psalter. So it was no passing bad mood on the part of the writer. They formed an ongoing part of the spiritual life of the community. We might find it hard to utter these prayers, but maybe that's because our backs haven't been plowed, because we haven't suffered like this. I wonder if our brothers and sisters in North Korea, for example, pray this as they pray for the end of that cruel regime. I wonder if our brothers and sisters in northern Nigeria who have seen their daughters cruelly taken from them or even some of the black churches and poor urban neighbourhoods of the United States pray things like this. There is a time for these prayers. C.S. Lewis famously wrote that he struggled to pray the imprecations, verses like this, not because they were below him, but because they were so far above him. What he meant was that he couldn't pray words like these without his prayers being tainted in some way by unrighteous anger or personal point scoring. It takes a particularly pure heart to pray for God's vengeance without it being personal revenge or to get some satisfaction out of it, or to want God's judgment to fall without being judgmental ourselves. There is a place for righteous anger because God is righteous and he is also angry towards things that mess up our world. When we yell at our child for carelessly running out onto a busy road or playing with matches inside the house, it's because we care. We love them and they need to see why we are angry. If we didn't show anger, it would betray a subhuman indifference towards our own flesh and blood. So righteous anger is part of being made in the image of God. But even in the Old Testament, there were instructions in the law about not taking personal revenge and seeking the good of our enemy. So this is no clash between the Old and New Testaments here. Rather, the whole of Scripture shows us the two sides of the coin. And Psalm 129 shows us the dark side, as it were, the oppression and the violence, and the judgment. Jesus, of course, fills out that picture even more for us. He colours in the lines, and he makes us aware that our personal orientation must always be towards doing good to our enemy, loving them, praying for them, feeding them, forgiving them. But Jesus also uttered woes and judgments on the cities who rejected him. And his message is the same message in the Sermon on the Mount where he told us to love our enemies. He also taught us to pray, your kingdom come. While we want everybody to enjoy the benefits of God's kingdom here and now, when we pray, your kingdom come, we've got to recognise that the kingdom is incompatible with the continued existence of evil and what we see in Psalm 129 verses 1 to 4. There will come a time when the kingdom will come in its finality. And that won't be good news for everyone. For some there will be no glory, only shame. No flourishing, only death. No blessing, no God. The sort of hell that Psalm 129 concludes with. In praying your kingdom come, we're praying for evil to be ended, whether through 
people turning towards God or through his final judgment. That's why the gospel, friends, is so important, so urgent. Because as the psalm foresees and as Jesus himself taught, those who turn their backs on God, God will one day honour that choice and turn his back on them. I began reminding us how this is a shared struggle. We're in this together. We sing together as the cheerleader has instructed us to at the beginning about our oppression and frustration at injustice, but how we've been unfairly treated. But then we leave it with God. If this is truly an attack on him and not just on our sensibilities, then let him repay as he sees fit. He doesn't need us to fight his battles. The right place for expressing these emotions towards those who stand against God is not in a culture war, much less in any sort of holy war, but in the battlefield of prayer, in the silence of our own hearts, where we tell God how we feel about some of this wickedness, how angry it makes us. We ask him to purge us of any impure vindictiveness, any false motives or vestiges of revenge. And instead we pray simply and humbly, your kingdom come. Psalm 130 Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord. More than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For there is faithful love with the Lord and with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. We've now come to that moment in the service where we have the opportunity to pray together in dedication and thanksgiving and intercession for others. Please be active in these prayers, not just listening, but owning and adding to them with your own concerns and requests. Let's all pray. Father God, we bow before you and recommit ourselves not only to seeking and following your will, but also to waiting for you to fulfil your plans and purposes in your perfect timing. Thank you for your patience and generosity. Thank you for your daily care for each one of us. Thank you most of all for redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that you personally made sure of this by the sacrifice of your only Son, Jesus. We owe all we are and ever hope to be to your mercy and grace. Thank you that you are constantly listening for our prayers and that you have the power to answer our requests. Nothing is too hard for you. And so we bring to you our brothers and sisters who need your comfort in mourning, your healing in sickness, and your reassuring presence in times of testing. Father, be their joy, be their strength, be their hope. 
teachers and pupils are also much on our minds, Father. And we pray that on their return to school, they will be kept safe from any resurgence of COVID infection. May these young folk enjoy a measure of normality and calm in their lives after so much disruption. Father, there are millions of people around this earth who are struggling with the scourge of COVID-19. We are especially concerned for the, the poor and isolated folk who do not have access to the modern health care that we enjoy. God have mercy on them. May the developers of vaccines meet with great and speedy success in their efforts to produce this much-needed weapon against the virus. Finally, Father, we bring before you the turmoil in the United States. Much of it is man-made, we know, but it is also made much worse by the hurricane striking the southern states. We pray that those who have endured the destructive power of the hurricane will be kept safe from further harm and may soon be able to return home and rebuild their lives. We also pray that justice and peace will join with tolerance and generosity to bring an end to racial unrest in America. Father in heaven, there is no one like you. Our hope rests in you alone. In Jesus' name, we make our requests and ask that you will answer our prayers according to your gracious will and in your perfect timing. We depend on you. Hi folks, I think I can be very quick with our announcements today. Just want to say thank you to those who were involved in the service. Uh, Billy, thank you again for leading and Monty for bringing us God's word. Uh, thanks to Johnny and Katie for reading for us and Claire and Kerry for their video, uh, which helps us anticipate the, the launch of Kirkpatrick's S Club TV next week. I want to talk very quickly again about next Sunday. So Sunday the 6th of September sees us trying uh, to bring people physically together for the first time in over five months. Um, you've maybe heard me talk about this or read in the emails about this. Uh, in the first instance, we're hoping to bring together people who haven't been able to access online services. So if you're able to stay online please do stay online. But I'm making this announcement today to invite you to join me in helping other people who haven't been online, uh, helping them find their way to that service on Sunday the 6th. So if you can think of somebody who would benefit from uh, an invitation to that service, please reach out to them this week. Help them as well to sign up. Um, we have an event on Church Week, which a person can sign up for. But obviously a lot of folks who we would love to come to the service aren't online themselves. So we need to sign up on their behalf. If you need help with doing that, uh, just be in touch with Mary Rose and she will sign a person up for that event next week. Uh, please be preparing for that and praying for us all as we move towards next Sunday. If you received my email uh, on Friday, You'll see a few other things mentioned in there, and I just very quickly want to draw attention to them. Even in the time of a pandemic, 
we want to be supporting vulnerable children. So I'd encourage you to read the announcement there and the update from Home for Good. And also, as we move into the autumn time, uh, we want to do some long range planning for Christmas time. Uh, so one thing that we've done in recent years is to help with the shoebox appeal for Samaritan's Purse. Even in these very strange circumstances, the folks at Samaritan's Purse are keen to crack ahead with that. So if you look uh, in the update, you can see some information about how you can be involved. And we've also included a, a short video from Leslie uh, in the extras today to let you hear her talk about that. Just now we're going to sing a closing song together. We are a moment. You are forever. We want to finish on a note of thankful praise to our God and Saviour, borrowing words from Jude's letter. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Hi church family, it's Leslie here. It's a bit of a tricky time, isn't it, at the minute to try and make plans for the future. But I was so encouraged to get the phone call from the East Belfast Samaritan's Purse coordinator who was saying that they are planning to do the shoeboxes this year and would love for Kirkpatrick to be involved. So there are various ways that you can get involved this year. First of all, it would be great if you could pray for the, the shoeboxes, that people will complete them and uh, get involved. Also as well, that you could pray that they would get to the people that they're intended for. And finally, that the children and the families and the communities that receive these shoeboxes will know um, Jesus through that. This year, Samaritan's Purse have um, enabled for online donations of a shoebox where you can choose the items th uh, that you want to go in at and pay for that online. Or you may be able to uh, contribute your own shoebox that you've filled to this uh, charity. If so, you can come and collect one of the pre-printed uh, shoeboxes that we will have at the side entrance at the halls of church. Uh, on Sunday the 13th of September between 3 and 5 p.m. So this is one of our boxes. I actually managed to get all of this stuff in two shops um, in Home Bargains and Tesco's, although others are available of course. Um, just to give you an idea of what some of the things might include. So they do ask for kind of a wow or a special item and we have kind of gone for, for this, but also tried to fit in some other small toys or things like that. Obviously you've got your hygiene items without any liquids or aerosols um, and your uh, school stationery items as well. And um, there's a whole list of things that you could include um, which we will give you that information as well when you pick up your box. And then don't forget obviously to add your letter or, uh, or the pre-printed personalization sheet so the children know who you are and where this has come from. And then on Sunday the 25th of October, between 3 and 5 p.m., I will be at church again to collect your boxes. 
We have ordered 70 boxes uh, for you guys in the church family if you want to get involved with this. I would be very surprised this year if schools will be uh, getting involved in this project. So I do really want to encourage you to take that opportunity to think if, if it would be something that you could get involved with. If you have any other queries or questions, please feel free to email me. It's on the, the church email uh, or on Church Suite as well. Um, and I'd be happy to try and answer any questions that I can. So thank you so much, Church, for the many years that you have got involved um, showing and sharing God's love to all these children uh, across the world. Um, and we'll hopefully see you soon.